Um, <clears throat> it's so nice to be here. The last time I was here, I remember sitting with Steve Corkill and Jared Khan uh, in the coffee shop over there, and we were looking at the building. It wasn't complete, and virtually on a serviette, we redesigned what this church looks like now, and walking in here, it's like a dream come true. It's absolutely beautiful, but even more beautiful is the people that are here. And I'm so excited to be here after a long period. I think the last time I was here was about two and a half years ago, which is forever. But uh, the second thing is, before we go into the preachers, interestingly, the last time I preached, just before I preached, my voice went away. And yesterday, my voice went away. So if I start squeaking, I'm not going through puberty. It's just something's wrong with my voice. Before I pray, um, Francois said, hey guys, why don't you lift up your hands? You know, there's nothing wrong with lifting up your hands. So it reminds me, you know, um, David lifted up his hands in prayer frequently in, in the book of Psalms. But there was one occasion when he came back from war and he went into the Holy of Holies within the tent. And there was no food, there was no bread, there were no offerings that he could make. But what he did is that he knelt at the temple and he took his heart and he said, Lord, Lord, I offer you my heart. I offer you my heart. And just that moment, you can imagine two hands going up in worship and in awe and in reverence to God as he lifts up his hands. To me, that is one of the most special things we can do during worship is to give our hearts to our Father. It's absolutely amazing. So let's pray. Father, you are an incredible God. We worship you, and I thank you for this opportunity. As was prayed, we, we pray for open hearts. Lord, we don't want to leave this place the same as we came here. We want to be changed. We want to be the difference in this world, which is just going down the tubes. I mean, we listen to all the stories that are happening around the globe, and we say, hey, is there any hope? And the answer is yes. We have a hope that's set before us. It's Jesus Christ. And we have a knowledge of who he is and the love that he portrays to us and the love that we have for him. And I pray, Lord, that as each one of us sits here, that we catch some of that love from our Father. Amen. So a lot of us that have been to weddings, we always hear that scripture out of 1 Corinthians 13. It's known as the love chapter. Who hasn't heard it? Yeah, everybody goes to weddings. But the last verse is the most important verse. And I'll just read it out to you. You can put it on the board. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And I'll be quoting some of the verses out of the New Living Translation. You guys don't have it. Francois is going to organize it. And um, I, I will use that. And I think the ESV is on the board. But he says, <clears throat> Paul writes, he says, three things will last forever. Faith, hope, love. And the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. And in, how, do we, how do we love in a hopeless society? And why is it so difficult for us to love? It's extremely difficult. Who in this world has never known me, never met me, has never seen me? Anybody? Um, let me ask this young guy with this type shirt. 
Come to the front. Okay, with <laughs> the check shirt. <laughs> What's your name? Hello, Anton. I'm Kim. Lovely to meet you. So, today, something significant is going to happen. Somebody's going to walk in here with a gun. And he, because I'm sharing a message, he's going to shoot me. Anton, will you take a bullet for me? Yes. <laughs> that is love. Jesus took the bullet for all, all of us. You know, I will lay my life down for every one of you here. I don't know a lot of you here. But God has called me as a leader inside of his kingdom to lay my life down for you. We have given up so much. But with joy, I never look back at the day that I resigned from my job to join uh, Joshua Generation as a full-time elder. For those of you who don't know, many of you are new. I used to be the managing director of Calvin Klein in South Africa. And the day I came onto uh, staff as part of the team, my salary dropped by 88%. <laughs> That's love. <laughs> But why is it so difficult for us to love others in society today? I mean, if I had to ask you, just turn around to the person to your left and right and say, with all seriousness and all genuineness, from your heart of hearts, I love you. Now, I want you to be perfectly honest. I want you to be perfectly honest, under the Lord, who of you guys really believe that the person next to you actually loves you? Well, not many of you. <laughs> There's a lot of you that haven't stuck your hands up. You see, we, we struggle to love somebody, particularly if we don't, we don't know them. But you know, it's interesting that we can love things as opposed to loving people. And God wants us to love one another just as he loves us. So we love things. You say, oh, I love going surfing. Oh, I love going hiking. Oh, I love going cycling. Oh, I love doing this. I love hanging around. I mean, we had Steve Corkill that hosted a bra last night. And uh, France was there. And we stood, uh, sat down and we chatted about some worship and other things. And I absolutely loved it. I loved hanging out with him. And it's easy for me to say, I loved hanging out with him. You know that in America... There's a woman who loved her Apple computer so much that she married it. I'm serious. And then there's another lady. She loved herself so much that she married herself. I wonder what's going to happen when she divorces. Who's going to get the money? <laughs> but you see, what we lack as people, what we all lack, is where does the love come from? You can't manufacture love. You know, we fall in love. I've got a beautiful wife here. Lorraine, come here. And she's going to get all embarrassed. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have got through last year. And I just love her so much. And uh, last week, we've been married for 42 years. Yeah. You know, and for me, when I met Lorraine, it was easy for me to fall in love with her. Because she had attributes and she was beautiful she had the best legs in the world she was she was the south african high energy number one dancer and 
I was just like in awe of this lady. He just absolutely loved her. Sorry, I just need to set my watch quickly. Sorry, I forgot about that. Okay. And, and you know, it was easy for me to fall in love with her. But where did that love come from? It came from my heart. It was, you know, they, they used the Greek word eros. And it was out of eros that I, I loved Lorin. You know, she had all these wonderful characters that I knew she would be a perfect match for me. She would be, as the word says, a help meet and help me through life. And for some of you who don't know, um, we were off for four months. We, did, we went in church. And the reason being is that I, I worked endlessly tirelessly for five years hardly took a break i worked until 11 o'clock every night got up at half past four and continued to work i just ran ran and ran and then in july i hit the wall boom spiritual spiritual tanks empty emotional tanks empty physical tanks empty all my tanks were just dry and so i was asked to go and leave now i'm back my tanks are all full and uh, Laureen is part of that. But where, where does our love come from? Where does the real love that's inside of us come from? It doesn't come from anywhere but the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, you can't love. You know, it will be superficial love at best, like you guys turned around to the left and right and, uh, left and, right and said, I love you. That's just not real. You don't really love them. But if you genuinely filled with the Holy Spirit, and you turn to the left and turn to the right, you do love them. And you will love them. And just like that young gentleman came up, he will take a bullet for me because he loves me even though he doesn't know me. And if we look at 1 John 4, 19, he says, we love, we love, we love, because he first loved us. Isn't that amazing? And then what Paul wrote in the book of Galatians, and I want to pause at one section over here. Galatians 5.22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind. Remember I said, where does your love come from? The Holy Spirit. So, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. And self-control. All those qualities are wonderful. Beautiful qualities. And we should all say, Holy Spirit. Please sharpen me, mold me, because I want to be a person with all those virtues. I'm, you know, that's taking you close to perfect. But the thing is, if we read that again, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, and he starts off with love. Love. If there's no love, there'll be no joy, no peace, no patience, no kindness, no goodness, no faithfulness, no gentleness, and no self-control. So love is so important and God wants us to love because he is love. Do you know that God created you and me for one reason? It's not to work. It's not to come to church. It's not to raise a family, although it's brilliant that you've got kids that are a blessing for God. God created you so that he could love you. That's the main reason, only reason. I created you so I could love you. God is love. He epitomizes love. You all know the story of the uh, prodigal son, and he ran away, and 
squandered all, you know, he asked his dad for his inheritance and he went to another um, city and he squandered it all and bad things. And eventually, he had no money, there was a famine in the world, and he managed to get employed. He got a job, but the job was for him to go and feed pigs. Now, in those days, to touch a pig, if you were a Jew, was completely out of the question. I mean, you could have been struck down with a bolt of lightning. So out of desperation, he said, no, I'm going to go home to my father. At least I can be a slave for him, a servant for him, and I'll get a good plate of food. And then he came. But his father saw him at a distance because his father was waiting for him. And when he saw him, he lifted up his robes and he ran to his son. Now in those days, for a man of dignity, a man of that stature, that, a man of his wealth, to lift up his robes and to run towards him was, according to the Jews, it was completely unacceptable. But he ran because he loved his son. And as his son came there, he said, Father, I have sinned. And he said that, he says to his servant. Now remember, his servants ran behind him. <laughs> you can imagine if they couldn't keep up with him. That would have been bad for the servants. But they ran behind him and said, go and get my finest cloth. Go and get the ring. Go and get the sandals. My son was once dead, but now he's alive. And you see that for each one of us, you need to remember that God Loves each one of you. Each one of you that's sitting here so much that he runs after you. He runs after you. He cares for you and he loves you so much that he will run after you. It doesn't matter what you've done. He will run for you. You know, there's a wonderful uh, song um, sung by Jen Johnson. It's called Goodness of God. Now, the worship guys will know the goodness of God. Who knows the goodness of God? Uh, worship song. It's absolutely amazing. And in that... There's one verse that sometimes theologically a lot of people struggle with. And it says, his goodness is running after, it's running after me. You can say this, God's goodness is running after me. Come on, God's goodness is running after me. This is amazing. There goes my voice. <laughs> it's amazing to think that the Lord who created heaven and earth, is running after you because he loves you. He doesn't want to see you falling. He doesn't want to see you, you know, limping. He doesn't want to see you going into places that you shouldn't be going into. His love and who he is, his nature and his character is running after you. In Luke 19, I don't know if you guys can remember, Jesus was heading into uh, Jericho and there was a tax collector named Zacchaeus. Now, he climbed in a tree because he saw the crowds coming and he saw Jesus coming past and a lot of people thought Zacchaeus was as tall as me. Now Zacchaeus was a tax collector and the tax collectors as a Jew were the most hated, hated people amongst the Israelites because they were dishonest. They robbed the guys. You know if the Romans said you must get 10 pounds from the guy, he used to go and say no I want 20 pounds or whatever it may be. Denarius. And so the people absolutely, you know, they were extorted by tax collectors. So he climbed up a tree. Why did he climb up a tree? In those days, they had assassins. They were known as Sicarius. And the Sicarius walked around with a curved knife in their cloaks, and nobody knew if you were a Sicarian or not. So if you were standing in this mass of people and you were a tax collector, suddenly, 
you could be stabbed to death. And nobody knew who that was. But he climbed in the tree because he saw Jesus. Jesus saw his heart, knew who he was. And that night, he went and dined with Zacchaeus in his house. And people were amazed. How can you hang around with tax collectors? The Sadducees and the Pharisees and all the religious folk were having a heart attack. I mean, how can Jesus dine with a sinner? Somebody as bad as a tax collector. Jesus dines with you. And if you haven't met Jesus, he's standing at the door right now. He's knocking. He says, open the door. There's only one handle and that's on the inside. He couldn't open the door. And he says, if you open the door, I'll come in and dine with you. You see, he pursues you. You don't pursue him. There's a wonderful scripture out of 1 Corinthians 13 verse 7. I'm going to read out the amplified version here. Love bears all things, regardless of what comes. It believes all things, looking for the best in each other. I'll just stop there. Looking for the best in each other. Oh, my hat. We have got a tendency to look for the worst in people. You look at the person and you say, oh, no, that person. I don't know if I can trust him. Or oh, that person, you know, he stabbed me in the back once or twice. Oh, that woman. I mean, she's she always criticizing what I'm dressed. Oh, that woman's looking at how I've put on weight and she's commenting. You know, we look for the, be- for the worst. We don't look for the best. And love believes the best. And it believes in all things, looking for the best in each other. And it hopes for all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times. So... Francois was going through a difficult time. I mean, his marriage is falling apart. He confessed to me last night. He's <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I had a bad pizza. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. You see, instead of looking down at him, we come next to him and we help him and we encourage him. You know, I know you're going through a hard time. Lots of people have been through what you're going through. At my boots, let me stand next to you. Let me put my, sh- my arm around your shoulders. Let me walk you through the situation. You see, because now love believes the best. I'm not going to go to him and say, you're supposed to be an elder and look how you're behaving. You're just a rotten fruit guy. We're going to step you off eldership. No, we don't do that. You see, and love endures all things without weakening. You know, our love tends to go like this. One day you're in love, the next day you're out of love. It's absolutely amazing. Particularly us men, we struggle with that. You know, we wake up in the morning and we have moods. (laughs) I wake up in the morning morning and I say, it's a good day. I'm going to conquer this day. Nothing's going to get me back and I love my wife. The next day you wake up... Just today sucks. I don't know if I can make it through the day. And my wife comes in and she's like, nya, 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 nya. <laughs> No, <laughs> we, we've got to look at them and say, despite how I feel, despite our circumstances, I love you. And for 42 years, I can look at my, my wife and I can say, I love her more now than I've ever loved her before. 
And I'd like you to use this word today as a searchlight in your heart and say, listen, do I have these ups and downs? Is my love consistent or is it inconsistent? Why does my heart go you know, from one extreme to the other extreme? What you need to do is just say, Holy Spirit, come. Fill me with your presence. Because if I'm filled with your presence, I'll be filled with love. A consistent, solid, and powerful love. You know, if a glass is broken in many pieces, and it needs to be filled with water, you might be able to take a piece that survived and pick up a little bit of water. But if the glass was whole, and you poured water into it, it'll be full. And that's who we are. Many of us are broken. We acknowledge that. I've got idiosyncrasies, I've got warts, I've got pimples, I'm short and fat and all of that. So I'm broken. There's issues that I'm carrying in me. And that's now suddenly I can only take a small piece of a broken glass. And that's how much of the Holy Spirit's going to come in. But Jesus makes us whole. And he makes us whole through his Holy Spirit. And we get filled with his Holy Spirit so that we can love. And we pray that just as you know, the disciples were in the upper room and they were praying and the Holy Spirit came down and looked like flames of fire. Suddenly they were filled with love. Suddenly they were all united as one. Now I can look in this church today, in this congregation, you beautiful people, and I can, I'll ask you this question. Are you all united as one? In heart, mind, and spirit. I see some of you are like... No, <laughs> doesn't matter. We're going to get there. You will get there. So God is love. Let's look at 1 John 4, 8 quickly. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. That's such a weighty word. How can you not love? Because God is love. How do I learn to love? It's easy. God's love letter to us is his Bible. Now, some people say, oh, it's God's instruction manual how to live a life. No, if you, if you really look at it with the right, through the right lenses, with the right heart, it's God's love letter to us. There's so many stories of how he loved Israel in the Old Testament. And then Jesus came, the biggest act of love when he sacrificed his love. And you go through the New Testament, story after story after story, filled with love. Love one another. And if you, don't know, if you don't love God, you know, <clears throat> if you don't love one another, you don't, don't love God. So are you going to look to the left and the right and say to the person, no, I really love you. And you don't have to do it. The thing about God, there's, there's, there's no selfishness in God. God is a generous God. He gives. And a lot of us say, oh, no, but I don't hear God. I don't see God. I can't feel Him. I mean, you know, He's honest. He's, um, I've got a reverent fear for Him. But I don't see God. You know what? God loves you so much that He holds nothing away from you. You walk out of here and you can look at the ocean. He shares it with you. You can go out tonight and see the stars. You know, amazing. God's glory is displayed in the stars. He could have created a sky that was pitch black. But you never see a moon, you never see a stars. No, but he, he shows you, he's sharing some of his glory. You can come to Cape Town, you can see Table Mountain. His glory is in display over there. It's his creation that he's sharing with us because he loves us. Now, we don't worship the created 
we worship the creator. Okay, so I'm not going to go then. Hey, Table Mountain. <laughs> no, I'm just say, God, if I look at Table Mountain, if I look at the stars in the sky, if I look at the moon and the sun, thank you for sharing that with me. I'm not worthy of you know, experiencing this. I really am not. But I look up and I say, thank you, God. A broken man like me, you would share these things. And God delights to pour his love into us. As I said, God keeps nothing to himself. You know, God only had one son. Only one son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, we've got children. We've all got children. Well, some of you aren't married yet. And you don't have kids. You're going to have kids. And your child becomes the closest thing ever. You're going to protect them. You're going to love them. And you want the best for them. And if somebody comes, a schoolyard bully or another parent or another adult, and they want to do something to those kids, you're going to stand very strong and protect those kids. That's how much you love them. But God loves you more. That's why he sent his son to die on the cross for you and for me. And so as God's children, we must be able to love. And you know it's important that we must be able to love the most unlovable person. Now we look at people in society. We say, this guy's too round, he's too short, he's too fat, he's too tall. Now actually he's not a Christian. Uh, oh, they've got a different persuasion, you know, in terms of sexuality. God's called us to love those people. Doesn't matter who they are, love one another. Can you remember the story when Jesus was confronted or 10 lepers approached him? Well, they came very close to him. And you know that in those days, and this is where, who's heard of the, the expression, oh, he, he lives a stone throw away. Yeah, and he's just a stone throw away. Who's heard that, yeah? We've all heard that. Do you know where that came from? It was the lepers that brought that in. So the people picked up stones and if the leper was coming, they would shout, he's unclean, he's unclean. And they'd pick up a stone and throw it him. And they always had to walk a stone throw away so they don't get hit by the stones. Do you know that? That's fact. But they approached Jesus. And Jesus received them. He laid hands on them, prayed for them, touched them. And in those days, if you touch somebody with sores on their skin, based on the Old Testament, you would have died. But he's got in himself, so he wasn't going to die that day. And they were all healed. And they all walked away by one guy. He came back. An interesting thing, he wasn't one of the Jews. He didn't recognize the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He came back. He was a Pharisee. Somebody that shouldn't even been close to Jesus. And he said, Lord, thank you for healing me. And that should be our posture. That should be our heart. I'm broken. I'm a leper. I'm, you know, I stand here, guys. Believe me, I'm full of in, in, imperfections. If I had to tell you what came out of the four months that I was away, you, you would get up and run. But God did a work in me because he loves me so much. And I could approach God humbly with a heart which was completely open to him, with a heart of gratitude. And he still would stoop down and embrace me. 
and call me his son. Romans 5.5 says this, And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit. So without the Holy Spirit, it's going to be very difficult to love. Okay. One of the things that prevent us from loving is self. The unholy trinity is me, myself, and I. <laughs> Not God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's no, me, myself, and I. So flesh makes us not love people, makes us unlovable. Because I've loved people, genuinely loved them, and they've turned their back on me, and they've walked away. They've gossiped about me, they've hurt me, and it's been terrible. And so what happens, I build up a wall of resentment, bitterness, disappointment. And you see, that's just flesh rising up in me. And I walk around those people on eggshells. And if Francois was walking down the pavement, I'd cross the road and walk that side because he's hurt me. And you see, that's just flesh that's rising in me. It's got nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. And we don't have the assurance from God. And if there's one scripture that you guys need to listen to, it's this one. I love it. And it comes out of Romans 8.35 to 36 and then 38 to 39. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. Listen to this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who? There's nobody here that will ever get God to separate his love from you. Nobody. God will always love you. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. All those things. Will that separate you from the love of God? No. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. How amazing is that? Nothing, nothing that you could think of, nothing that you could believe, nothing that you are doing can ever separate you from the love of God. Most, to me, it's just mind-blowing. Lord, you know, in my state, in my state eight months ago, I mean, where is God? Where are God? I'm praying to a bronze ceiling. Where are you? But you know what? He loved me so much. That he rescued me from me. He loved me so much in my brokenness that he still loved me. And that's what he wants to do with each one of you. He's called us to live and walk in love. And even if somebody hates you, like the person next to you that you said, yeah, I love, but actually in my heart I hate you. No, God will still love you. See, love triumphs through everything. And there was a situation, true story. We had a guy in our church, him and his wife. So we called him into our, my house, our house, and we were going to counsel him and trying to help them through a process. Andrew Silly, Mac Nudia, your dad, <laughs> and this couple. And the husband became 
seriously, seriously aggressive. So much so that he took a, a boiling cup of hot tea and he threw it at her dad. It smashed in a thousand pieces on my wall in my lounge. And the tea running down, glass all over the show. And he came up to me and he threatened me. He was going to tell me how he was going to beat me up, but in very polite words, which sailors use. And then he went to Mac and he said to him, I'm going to hit you. And Mac said, if you touch me, I'm going to hit you through that front door. <laughs> and then he, then he went up to Andrew. Now, Andrew was sitting on the couch like this. And he was just like, Lord. <laughs> and he went right up to Andrew. And he stood here. And this is his waistline. And he was like, I'm going to eat you. I'm going to kill you. What you guys are doing to us. This went on. He was screaming and shouting on top of his voice with the most vile swear words for 15 minutes. Our grand, my grandson was upstairs. He was pipping himself. I'm not sure if you were there that day. Were you? Can you remember this? And they, they were terrified. I mean, what's going on there down there? And he, and, uh, he eventually sat down. And Mac got up. And he went and put his arms around him. He said, my brother, I'm sorry what I said. I love you. This man broke. And he started weeping and weeping, sobbing like you can't believe. Andrew got up and went and hugged him. I didn't because he broke my cup. <laughs> but, but you see, it doesn't matter how broken and our damage, the people are, we are called to love one another. Jesus said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You know, just, you know, we've got so many denominations in church. We've got the NGA, the AGS, and the IFM, and, you know, whatever. And, you know, we can make comparisons. Well, they this, they that, their doctrine is that. That is not what Jesus wants. He wants us all to be unified because one day we're all going to stand in front of him, in front of him as one bride. You know, he's not going to separate. Okay, all the Inchirach stand there, the Achaeus and Josh and you guys are there. No, you are the bride of Christ. And we will be judged on judgment day how we live our lives, what, how we love people. And all of us, love to wear a badge on our chest. Some of it's pride, some of it's achievement, some of it is who you are. You know, I'm just, you don't see it, but, but there's a badge. But wouldn't it be nice if Jesus comes to you and say, Francois, I'm going to give you this badge, and it's a badge of love. I want you to walk around with this badge every day. I want the people to see that you are filled with my Holy Spirit. You understand what my love is for you. And that love will be a reflection to other people. Would you wear that badge? Or are you going to find it difficult to wear that badge? I would love to get to that place where I see no wrong in any person. Because love believes the best. And even if there are people that hurt me in the last six months. Very much so. But I still got to love them. You know, somebody hurts me, get on my knees and pray to God. God, bless them. Bless them abundantly. Bless their marriage. 
bless their lives, bless their finances. And I keep praying until I see them standing in front of Jesus with their arms raised. You don't curse those who curse you. You bless them. And today I want you all to ask with one heart, can we all wear that badge of love when we leave this place? Jesus said in John 14, uh, 13, 34, he says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. New commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also to love one another. You see, there's no distinction of who you should love. You can't not love the Enchia Oaks. You can't not love the Archias Oaks. You can't not love any individual. God wants us to love everybody. And you know, interestingly, there were 690 commandments. And the most holy, there were 10 commandments. But then Jesus came and he says, in John 13, 34, that we just read, he says, this is a new commandment. It supersedes and overrides all those other commandments in the Bible. Love one another. Love one another. John puts us under a test in 1 John 4.20. You can stick that up or read the ESV version. If anyone says, this is hard, eh? Now, now I want you to search your heart. Search your heart honestly, every single one of you, as you read the scripture. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. This is a word from God. Holy Spirit inspired. We can't change it. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. I mean, that's like, wow, Lord, I need grace. I need forgiveness. Help me in my brokenness. Fill me afresh with the Holy Spirit so that I can love as you love me. So, our time's nearly up. Switch us off. I want to give you a couple of handles how to love one another. I'll be brief, very quick. I'll just throw out the um, scriptures. You can write them down and go home, study them. So the first thing, how to love one another, is to pray for one another. Pray together, love one another, but you're going to get close to a person if you pray with one another. You know, there's so many one and others in the Bible. But the one that I, th I think out of this message today is pray for one another. You know, often we say, <laughs> France will come up to me, I'm struggling with this. Don't worry, brother, I will pray for you. Guess what? You're not really going to pray for him. You just, that's like empty words. Yeah. But instead, what I should do, he says, Jesus, my marriage is falling apart. No, I'm not prophesying over here. <laughs> I come to him, Leonard. God loves you so much. I'm going to stand with you through this. I pray that the Lord will fill you with the compassion, the love for his wife like he's never seen before. Bring a spirit of peace over his life, etc., etc., etc. I do it straight away. 
Or I call him later that night. Can I come around to your house? Can I come and visit you? Because I need to pray with you. You need prayer. I need prayer. We'll pray for one another. So I don't want to ask you, when last did you pray for somebody? Genuinely. Because some of you might not stick up your hands. And I don't want to embarrass you. The second thing is, out of that by the way, 1, Thess- 1 Thessalonians 5.25. The next thing is, we need to gather together as we are gathered today. This is beautiful. To see this congregation and the size that it is. There's still too many empty chairs. Um, so we need to start inviting our friends. So your messages about God's love and what God is doing in us. You know, I'm di- digressing slightly. Let me, let me just take a sip of water. My throat's getting sore. God is doing a new thing in Joshua's generation. There's an amazing move of his spirit in Joshua's generation right now. There's going to come a time, you know, Francois spoke about Thursday night during worship. There's going to come a time when you will all see God's movement tangibly. You're going to see the evidence of signs, miracles, and wonders. You're going to see things that you've never seen before. God is doing something new in Joshua's generation at the moment. But we want to be part of that. And Hebrews 10.25 says, do not neglect the meeting of together. You know, some of us wake up on a Sunday morning. Oh, I don't feel like going to church today. The waves are cooking. Or, you know, it's a beautiful day. The sun's shining. I'm going to go catch a tan. Or I can go cycling. There's no wind. Like in Cape Town at the moment, my house has moved back five meters as the southeaster blows. <laughs> Psalm 133 verse 1 says, I love this. How wonderful. Now, this is God speaking. He says, how wonderful. And pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. Can we live in harmony with one another? The next thing is community. You know, there are approximately 90 one another's in the New Testament. Love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another. So you can go and highlight all of those and say, I'm going to practice the one another's. I'm not just going to look at myself. I'm not going to be a self Centered Christian. You know, in Christianity, as you sit here, you can't be a lone ranger Christian. My love, my knowledge, my experience, what God is doing into, in my life, I need to share with you. As I've shared with you some of the stuff with you right now. And you know Acts uh, 2.42. And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles', apostles teaching and to fellowship and to sharing meals and to pray. So, we're saying at the moment, the altar is important, but it's not as important as tables. God wants us to gather around tables. Remember what I said? Jesus said, I'll stand at the door and knock. If you open the door, come in and I'll dine with you. Our tables at the moment should be filled with people where we can encourage one another. The word says, encourage one another daily. I'm sharing a meal. You know, if I sit with you at a meal, I'm going to get more out of you. I can see who you are. I can see your characteristics. I can hear your stories. I can listen to your struggles that I wouldn't hear if I just had a coffee date with you. Talking about coffee dates, you know, we used to use this word many years ago, clappuccino. Who's heard that word? Okay, that's non-existent. Take that, erase that from your memories. If I call you for a coffee, you must be excited. You must be excited. 
this guy's going to speak into my life. He's going to prophesy. He's going to listen to my problems. He's going to help me through those things. I can't wait to meet with Francois. Francois and I connected last night. We didn't plan it. We didn't plan it. But we sat next to, next to each other after the bra and probably for an hour. Drank coffee. Had a meal next to each other. And we spoke to one another. And it was amazing. It was gorgeous. It was wonderful. I really appreciated it. He's a young man. He knows nothing. No, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> so the next point is the fourth point. This is a very important point. I want you all to listen. I want you all to open your ears. I want you all to listen so much that you're going to stick up your hand and say, Yes, Kim, I'm listening to this right now. Why are you closing your ears? <laughs> open. Who's going to listen to this, this one, this point? Yeah, please, I want all of you guys to raise your hand. To serve together. Serving the church is both corporate and individual. So, you know, you get guys that come in and unpack the chairs. You get guys that, you know, there's a gathering coming up and they organize everything. You get guys that, you know, get up here and serve worship. You get guys that go to the back and make coffee. There's many areas in the church where you should be serving. One of the greatest needs that we have, listen, is our kids' ministry. You can't serve it. Many of us, I look at the amount of people that are younger than me, but still got gray hair. You've had kids. You've probably got grandchildren. You've got tons of knowledge and experience to go and help in kids' ministry. Your age doesn't disqualify you. Youngsters, you have the heart, the enthusiasm, the passion, and the excitement to go and assist with kids' ministry. Why am I punting kids' ministry? Young guys like Francois, one day, are going to be over me. And I'm going to have to say to Francois, Francois, I'm sorry about all those things. Forgive me. <laughs> Can I wash your feet? Because you know, my boss, you my older. So kids, if you invest time in them, you know what? They're going to be our next leaders. They're going to be our next worship leaders. They're going to be our next deacons. They're going to be our next elders. Will you invest in their lives? Not just your own life. Look around and say, Lord, how can I serve in this congregation? And I'm punting kids because I love kids. My wife headed up kids ministry in Joshua Generation for two years. And uh, she's got a passion for kids and it's rubbed off on me. I love kids too. And I just want to read Mark 10.45 to you. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his Life as a ransom for many. The King of Kings, Jesus Christ himself, sitting there with God, the Holy Spirit. He came as a man. He humbled, humbled himself to a man. Not to come and lord and reign. He didn't come here with a big sword. That's coming. <laughs> he didn't come here to, you know, knock the living daylights out of us and knock sense into our brains. No, he came to serve. He came to serve. And the greatest act of service is when he died on the cross for us. Then Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, two are better than one because they will have a good reward for their toil. The fifth point, quickly, show honor. Show honor. So I'd love to say, Francois, you're standing in, in place for Emsley at the moment. You're doing a great job. But I honor you guys. I honor the eldership team over there. You guys are doing an amazing job. You know, without you, we wouldn't have this what's going on. When last did you go up to somebody and say, I'd just like to honor you? 
You know, there's something about you, something that you did, something you didn't do, but I still want to honor you. Romans 12.10 says, outdo, outdo. Do more, in other words, in showing honor. Now, don't take that lightly. That's a serious word. I want to honor. I want to honor you guys for being here this morning to listen to me. Second last point is to encourage one another. You know, I recently went through a difficult time. Your pastor, Emsley, was one of four guys in four months that phoned me to see how I was doing. And I can't tell you how much his phone calls meant to me. He was the guy that extended love, grace, mercy, honor to me. So much so that I'm here because he invited me to stay in his house. And, and he was going to spoil us. But he's not here. <laughs> he went on holiday. <laughs> God has put us together as a church family so that we can carry each other as we face difficulties. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another just as you're doing. If somebody's going through a tough time, amen, I'm going to get next to them and encourage them. You can do this. The hope that's set before us. God is in our lives. He's not going to leave you and he'll never forsake you. That's wonderful encouragement. Builds up the, the people's hope. And then the final point is, very important, forgive one another. You know, in life, I was talking to Lorraine on the way in, and I said, just imagine if you, God met with you on the day that you stuck up your hand and said, yes, God, I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life. I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. And he says, okay, Paul, this is what's going to happen to you for the next 60, 70 years of your life. Plain sailing, you're going to go from glory to glory to glory, and you're going to meet me in heaven. You go, woohoo, amazing. But now what he says is, Paul, this is what you're going to go through. You're going to go through financial hardships. You're going to lose your job. You're going to become an elder. You're going to be ridiculed. Things are going to be really bad. Michelle's going to give you a hard time. And then you're going to be out of work for two years. <laughs> and you know, you're, going to go, you're going to get so sick. You're going to get cancer. And you might not survive that. You're going to say at that moment, Jesus, I'm not, I'm not signing up for this. I'm out of here. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. But he doesn't reveal what he has, what his plans and purposes are for you. But we trust him and we believe in him. And, you know, we need to in these, as we live this life, this hard life. I don't believe life is easy. I don't, I don't think anybody that can sit here and say, oh, that easy life. But in this easy life, we need to encourage and forgive one another. Just go back to 1 Corinthians 13, 7 Amplified Version says this. Love bears all things, regardless of what comes. Believes all things, looking for the best in each one. Hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times. Remaining steadfast during difficult times. Endures all things without weakening. Amazing scripture. And then finally, finally, I want you guys to listen to me. 
John 3.16 out of the Amplified Version. A lot of you guys, elders, are nodding their heads. Listen to this. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world. Now our world at the moment sucks. Yeah, what's going on in America, it's like Sodom and Gomorrah. There's about to be a third world war between Russia, China, and America. We have been through COVID. Uh, we went to a meeting with Louis Gigler. Who knows Louis Gigler? And uh, amazing guy. Uh, the worship was off the charts. The passion band was there. And Louis Gigler stood there and he spoke about the hardships that they experienced during COVID. And he, he was very vulnerable. He was crying. And, you know, we had church online and the people that came back were not the people that were in church before. And, like, we're sitting there, South Africans, and saying, like, we're so over COVID already. I mean, we worried about load shedding. <laughs> and he dearly prized the world that he, even, that he even gave his one and only begotten son so that whoever believes and trusts him as Savior shall not perish but have eternal life. It's amazing scripture. That's the scripture that brought me to this place at the moment. I believed in him. I believed that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. That God the Father took his only son, sacrificed him, a sinner like myself. And when I declared, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior, with all my warts, pimples, and idiosyncrasies, he accepted me. And he called me son. I want you. You are mine. And I'm yours. And as his love poured out into me, my love returned back to him. And then love filled the room to other people as well. Let's just close your eyes. Jesus, I just want to thank you for this morning. I thank you that you are an awesome God. We love you. I believe in you. We believe in you. And we believe in the fact that you did send your only son to die for us. So that we could have life. A life of abundance. A life of joy. A life of suffering. But a life in eternity with you. Where there's going to be no more pain. No more suffering. No more tears. No more illnesses. Nothing. And we will all receive a new glorious body. Lord, I know you're going to make me tall, dark, and handsome. But Father, we thank you for your only Son. We worship you and we praise you. We exalt your beautiful name and we bless your name. And Lord, we don't want to lose the opportunity of anybody that's visiting, anybody that's here that hasn't made that decision to accept you as Lord and Savior, that hasn't been filled with the Holy Spirit, that can't love as you love. And we are called to love. I can't love you without the Holy Spirit. If that is you, and everybody's head's down here. I don't know why. It's like a lack of motion of praying. You can keep your heads down. That's good. That's good. That's good. If that's you and you want to commit your life to the Lord, Jesus, I need you to be my Lord and Savior. I did that 37 years ago. And my life has never been the same again. I look forward to the day and the hope that I can sit with Jesus in eternity. And do what he's called me to do. If there's anybody, just raise your hand. I'd love to pray with you. Love to pray with you. I always say that the best decision you can make 
in your entire life. It's not where you're going to live, not how much money you've got, what car you're driving. No, the best decision you can make in your life is to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. It's the best decision ever. It's the best decision I've made. It's the best decision that the elders and their wives have made and many of you Christians have made. Yes, Lord, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I don't want you to miss this opportunity. You miss this opportunity. It's so important. I don't want to go on the eternal burn and tell you about hell and how bad it is, but it is very bad. But I want you to say, Lord, you are a gentle, good, good father. On earth, I've had a good father, but in comparison, he'll never compare to how good you are. So I want to surrender my life to you right now. Is there anybody that wants to raise their hand and say, Kim, I want to give my life to you. Okay. Father, I just want to pray that your Holy Spirit falls on us right now. Your Holy Spirit fills our hearts. Lord, we look for the spectacular signs, miracles, and wonders. But I think the most spectacular thing that you can fill us up through your Holy Spirit is that of love. I want to carry the love of the Holy Spirit so I can love people, the unloved people, those people that irritate me, those people that, that have cursed me, those people that have abused me, whatever. Lord, I want to love as you love. And I pray that every person sitting here now is filled with the Holy Spirit and experiences the same love. Because they cannot do it on their own. They can only do it with you. If we try in flesh, it's not going to work. We know that. We just experienced it when I asked you to say to the person next to you, love the person. Do you really love them? No, actually I don't. But Lord, fill us with the spirits and the person that sits next to me, that I genuinely love them. I genuinely love them. I'll take a bullet, this young man said for the person that sits next to me, even though I don't know them. They are family of God. They are called Christians, many Christs. They will stand next to me in eternity. This person that's irritating me, this person that's annoyed me, this person that, that's let me down, Lord, I know that I'm going to spend the rest of eternity with them. The rest of eternity. And the irritations of their heart and everything that they've done, Lord, I, I want to make right with them now and not go into eternity and say, I can't live with this guy. Because God will question your heart at that point in time. Father, I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Let your Holy Spirit fall and come and do an amazing work in every person's heart. May we walk out here changed with hearts that are tender, hearts that are filled with love and compassion and forgiveness. Because Lord, without love, we are just like an empty tomb, like like a gong that just makes a noise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So you raise me.